Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Father, I thank you for your word, and I pray that you would bless us and prosper us and keep us in your purpose, that nothing would be more attractive than to please you and to live for your glory and live according to your time frames and seasons as the Bible tells us to. Speak to us out of your word today and give us the preparation of the heart we need to become champions and to not look back with regret. I should have, I could have, I would have. Allow us to be ready at your coming and being blameless with nothing, Father God, that would come between you and I, between you and your people. Speak to us out of your word and give us understanding. Give us a mind frame of those that you are coming for that are walking according to your heart in obedience to your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. What should we be doing as we take a stand, we take our last stand in, against darkness in the last days? Paul tells Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. I don't know what you're spending your time on or how you invest your weeks, but your faith should be up there as your highest priority. What's that mean? Your relationship with God. Are you walking with God now? Are you embracing the Holy Spirit? Is he leading you? Are you in the word of God? Are you in prayer? Are you in fellowship? Making sure that you're, you're connected with those who fear God. Take hold of eternal life on this side of eternity. Start living on this side of eternity as it is in heaven. Let it be done on earth. That's the prayer of the Our Father. Lord, make sure that we're living and taking a hold of the eternal life to which we were called. Uh, there was a time we didn't hear the call of God on our lives, but now we hear it clearly. We hear it loudly. When you made your confession in the presence of many witnesses. Verse 13 says, I give thee this charge in the sight of God who gives life to everything. All life is owned by the giver of life, our creator, of Jesus Christ, who while testifying before Pontius Pilate made a good confession. I charge you, verse 14, keep the commandments. Walk in the word. There's so many people walking in every direction, but what the word says, this will keep you without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. The words are, are emphatic to those of us that want to have a proper last stand against darkness. We, we are people of faith, people of confession, people who keep his commandments. We're in the word of God. We're not into religion. He says... Embrace these things, verse 15, 
knowing God will bring about in his own time. You're not going to rush God into perfecting or finishing what he's doing. Don't rush God. I said yesterday, be still and wait upon the Lord. You're getting prepared for the time that God has chosen to appear, the blessed and only ruler, the king of kings and Lord of lords. He sits supreme above all things. And so keeping him in that place, we're walking in that manner. Verse 16. Who alone is immortal, who lives in an unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him be honor and might forever. So as the Bible is telling us to fight the good fight and to be prepared for the coming of the Lord at his appearing, keeping his commandments uh, without spot, without blemish, um, having given the charge to keep the faith, the Bible says that there are some that are not going to take a stand against darkness. They don't even know how to stand. They don't know where to stand. This, these verses are the verses that, that come after explaining to us what we're to do. But the reason we're to do these things is because Paul opens the door in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, saying that in the last days, some are going to abandon the faith. They're not going to fight the good fight of faith. They're not going to be ready at Jesus' coming. They're not keeping the commandments of the Lord. They're not attentive to the fellowship of the saints and the gathering of his people. Somehow or another, something else has taken priority and first premise in the people's lives. So since they're not fighting the good faith, since they're not praying, since they're not watching the word, since they're not keeping the fellowship with the brethren who fear the Lord, the Spirit says that in the last days, some will abandon the faith, and they do so by following deceiving spirits and instruction that is taught by demons. You're taught things, and your teaching will develop a mind frame that you embrace. And so in the last days, many were going to be falling away from their faith because the deceiving, hypocritical spirits, lying spirits, and instruction straight from the pit of hell. They're going to be doing things that the devil would want you to do. I think it's important there to find out what is the devil teaching. Well, he's teaching you, verse 2, to be a hypocrite. These lying spirits, these deceptive spirits, these demon teachings, um, such teaching come through hypocrisy and liars. And look at this next part. Their conscience is seared with a hot iron. What's that mean? They don't even know what they're doing. They don't even know who they're following. They don't even know what they're being a part of. And so their conscience doesn't respond to truth. Their conscience doesn't respond, has lost its sensitivity. They are past feelings, the Bible says. 
They've lost the natural emotions and affections that God created in us for a purpose. You know why uh, when, when your conscience is seared, you don't have feelings no more. If you were to lose feelings on your, on your fingertips, if you put your hands on a hot surface, because you have feelings, you remove. The feelings are there so that you could respond to your surroundings. When you have a seared conscience, you don't react anymore. You don't have the sensitivity to respond to things that are dangerous and perilous. And so that's going to be the atmosphere in the last days. Uh, again, people who abandon their faith, people who have gone the way of deceptive spirits, people who have gone the way of instruction of demons, doctrines of demons, because they're walking hypocritically, they're living deceptive lives, their consciences are seared. Um, these expressions of those um, says they direct their efforts, verse 3, in destroying the marriage relationship. They forbid people to marry. Um, their attack is on the nucleus, the basic unit of the family is the marriage. And so whenever the marriage is being destroyed, the family is destroyed. And the entity that God has prepared for us to serve the Lord, you cannot say that you have put away your marriage and your family. You don't have a heart for your wife. You don't have a heart for your husband. You don't have a heart for your children. The question is, who do you have a heart for? Nobody. You are walking in a selfish existence. It's all about you. Because marriage is about denying yourself to find out how you might please your wife, how you might please and serve your husband. And this is, there's no other entity in the world like a marriage relationship. That's why it's so celebrated in the kingdom of God. The Bible starts out with a marriage, Adam and Eve, and it ends with a marriage with Jesus Christ and the church. So marriage is an integral, uh, essential part of faith existence. And those who deny and walk marrying and giving into marriage, they weren't on the ark in Noah's times. The Bible says the last days will be like the days of Noah. People were eating, drinking, marrying, and giving themselves into marriage. They weren't respecting the marriage covenant. These people forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods. That means that they walk more in finding out what organic foods are all about and, and how you should eat properly, but you are straining the gnat and swallowing the camel. You're being hypocritical, which God created to be received with thanksgiving. So this is not about eating and drinking. The, the, the kingdom of heaven is not about eating and drinking. It, it goes a lot deeper to the issues of the heart by those who believe and who know truth. So Paul is warning Timothy that the last days are going to be perilous times and a lot of people will be following doctrines of demons. I'm going to tell you here, I believe that many, many Christians are walking 
like the devil wants them to walk and not like Jesus wants them to walk. Why? Because they're not respecting marriage. They're not respecting family. They're not respecting the womb and children. And so when we do that, we have denied the faith. He who provideth not for his own is worse than an unbeliever. So if these words don't fall on a conscience, you continue to walk as if God doesn't care about these things. And he's made them the premise of the things he's cared for. The marriage relationship speaks about a mature man. That's why our ministry to manhood is so important. Because immature men won't get married. They don't want the responsibility. They don't know how to walk like Jesus laying down their lives for the church as his bride. So he might present unto himself a glorious bride with, without spot or wrinkle. These are the elements of faith. When the Bible says fight the good fight of faith, it's talking about these issues. When we're fighting the good fight of faith, we're not closing our eyes on a, some little cloud playing a harp thinking about gold and silver and angels. No, faith is persevering in the established will of God. And the will of God is for a man to find a wife. It's not good for a man to be alone. But these men forbid marriage. In fact, they invent same-sex marriage, which is not a marriage. They marry themselves they want to serve themselves. They want to seek pleasure unto themselves. They're walking in manners of law, having lost faith, having lost the heart of God. And so that's the climate of the last days with some fighting the good fight, taking their last stand against darkness, and others are just abandoning the faith, and then they seared consciences they no longer respond to what family is the bizarre nature of one man going to one church and his wife is in another church or the father and the mother go to a church and the children go to another church what dishonor where a husband is living in a manner that the wife doesn't want to participate and the wife is living in existence where the husband is not near and you call that faith, that's not faith. That's abandoning. That's called apostasy. And so uh, you'll see after this chapter of 1 Timothy 4, 1 Timothy 5 verse 1 starts putting things in their order and it starts talking about do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Look, look how the Bible begins to address faith in a manner which is appropriate, and it talks about father. It doesn't talk about prophet and apostles and, and all manner of expressions when you've lost the capacity to honor a father, a biological father, a spiritual father. You've abandoned the faith. It says... But exhort him as a father, an older man, and treat a younger man as if he were your brother. You know, these modern-day Christians are like, you're my brother, but I never want to live with you. You're my brother, but I'm not my brother's keeper. 
you're my brother, but I'm going to go hang out with my friends, and I'm going to throw my brothers under the bus. You're not a Christian. You're not walking in the heart of God. You're not keeping the fellowship of the saints. You have you've been deceived. You're walking hypocritically. Uh, in the Old Testament book of Judges, one of the brothers raises up, I think his name is Abimelech, and he kills 70 of his brothers. He kills them. Uh, the, the, the expression is to distance himself from the fellowship so that he might show forth stature and rule. And he came to a horrible end as Jotam, the smallest, was able to run away and tell him, brother, you are a mess. You who thought that killing your brothers was the way to prosperity, success, and to posture yourself in prominence. You've denied the faith. So here it talks about fathers. It talks about brothers. Verse 2, the Bible talks about uh, mothers and sisters. That's faith. If, if you cannot keep in tune with the gathering of God's people as family, if that concept is no longer in your heart, you become part of the devil's team of destruction. And so there's a system out there that comes against the family. They come against marriage. They come against fathers and mothers. They hate brothers and sisters. Older women <clears throat> treat them as moms. Do you have an older woman that you honor as a mom? Or do you hang out as a prostitute, as a derelict woman, as a wayward woman, doing whatever you want, not being, not, not seeing, not allowing older women of faith speak into your life? And the younger women as sisters with absolute purity. The debauchery of our day is that I would call some man and say, I'm concerned about your daughter. And his response is, I don't want to talk to you ever again. Not thank you because you're caring for my family. So people in the last days, they're not going to tolerate sound doctrine. They want to go to a church where this stuff is not being talked about. But I can't jump it. It's all over the Bible. It's all over the Bible. When, when Paul is telling Timothy, get ready for the coming of the Lord and fight the good fight because many will abandon the faith, but you treat the older men as fathers, the younger men as brothers, the older women as mothers, the younger women as sisters in absolute purity, I'm seeing family put together. I'm seeing that faith has to do with family. And so darkness is the destruction of family. And you say, Pastor, that's not happening in our day. Well, my friend, let me read something to you. Let me read something that started being a song for those who embraced darkness in 1969. They came up with a song. And it's all the manner of these women that stood for the feminist movement who were following Engel and Marx, which were demon-possessed individuals that were speaking super darkness and created communism and atheism and socialism. And all these worldviews, they had 
as their priority the destruction of the family. And so when women were moving in these areas of liberation of the feminist movement in the 1960s, embedded in their core values was the teachings of Marx and Engels. He says that the root of a woman's oppression, listen to this demonic teaching, being taught by demons, these doctrines, that the root of the woman's oppression is her role in the nuclear family. Get away from being a wife, a mother. Get away from the home. Find your priority elsewhere. And they said, if we're going to deal with the woman's oppression, let us address the root of the problem, which is her place as a mother in the home, as a wife in the home. And so they begin to teach this. They were saying, if women are producing children, this will tie them to the home to be part of the nuclear family. We can't have that because that would fortify the kingdom of heaven on earth. If you don't know how to govern your family, you can't govern the church. And so in capitalist societies, women are taught to take their place in the family and to reproduce generations of children to produce the livelihood of family. But Marx and Engels says that the core values of the socialist agenda is come against what makes the woman essential in family. And so they began to chant these songs that are an exercise practiced in atheist Mao China. They would, they would sit and they had songs because the devil knows he has to make a tune so that people walk and dance in his direction. So this is what this chant would say and it's called the mimicking of religious practice. They're going to try to do for darkness what we do for church. We talk about soon and very soon we're going to see the king. And they're chanting soon and very soon we're going to hell. And this is what the chant says. Why are we here today? And then the women would respond to make a revolution. And then the leader would say what kind of revolution? And the women would respond a cultural revolution. Now remember, this is at their gatherings. They, they already had it memorized. Like the Catholic church, when the priest would say something and the whole congregation would respond. These are the women that were raising up in the feminist movement. And how do we make a cultural revolution, the leader would say. And everybody would respond by destroying the traditional family. Then they would answer and she would respond, how do we destroy the family? 
and the, the, the gathering of women would say, by destroying the patriarch, by coming against man. That's what Marx and Engels says, that the way a woman is able to express liberation, the feminist movement, is debilitate man. Make the man's expression weaker. And so you see the pit of hell approaching. And this is 1969. These movements, uh, I was watching an interview. A woman says, how did the, the, the feminist movement start, women's liberation? They said we had to become disobedient women. Had to walk contrary to the nature of God's commandment. How do we destroy the family? Destroy the patriarch. And she says, how do you destroy the patriarch? And they would respond, by taking away his leadership, his power. Look how demonic this is. They're slowly destroying every realm of God's kingdom that he established upon the earth to show forth his glory. How do you destroy the patriarch? Take away his power. How do we do that? By destroying monogamy. And you get a man who's not able to keep a home, all hell breaks loose. A house divided will not prosper. A kingdom divided will not stand. Destroy monogamy. And how can we destroy monogamy? Look how they have it. It's just every element, every Every level being erased and eroded. How do, we stro- how do we destroy monogamy? He says, uh, the leader would say, by promoting promiscuity, eroticism, prostitution, and homosexuality. So now we're seeing that it's not my sexual preference. We're seeing it's Satan's preference. To strip man of the faith given to his fathers and so people don't want to talk about this they don't want to discuss these things that have already been taking place for a long time it's not about black lives matters it's about an agenda that's moved by the marxist and socialist influence to dismantle the family and society and soon satan will take his place as soon as jesus comes on the rapture The devil will be given full reign to establish all his craziness. And then a lot of people are going to be super glad here upon the earth. But I'm going to be gone. Me and my family have decided to serve the Lord. We're keeping to these traditions of a godly man, a godly woman, and honorable children. We're not invited. I mean, the devil's invited me on a hundred fronts. Oh, you could do this, you could do that. I could do a lot of things, but I want to do the will of God. I want to deny myself And fulfill my call as a father, as a husband, as a man of God upon the earth that keeps family and faith. And I don't want to be part of a church organization that's not promoting manhood, virtuous women, and honorable children. Children who keep family and faith at the forefront. In this discussion, the goals of the National Organization of Women was clear. Nothing less than utter deconstruction of the Christian faith. It was clear that the goals established by the National Organization of Women was to deconstruct the traditional family. 
to invade the American home, the institution of family. Their revolution permeated media, education, K through 12, high schools, middle schools, universities, the judiciary, legislation, executive branches, even the entire, the entire library system. The devil's plan was the destruction of the nuclear family. And my friend, if we're fighting the good faith, you know we're at the forefront of all these issues. People have decided not to be part of our fellowship because they cannot keep their family together. Because they cannot keep their children in obedience. They cannot keep their children subjected to the leadership of father and mother. And so this is what the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. That in the last days it will be perilous times because a man would be lovers of themselves. Verse 2. Mark this. The terrible times, the dangerous times will come where every person in a family, the husband does whatever he wants, the wife does whatever she wants, the children end up doing whatever they want. Why? Because they're lovers of self. They're lovers of money. They're boastful and proud. They're disobedient. They're abusive. They're ungrateful, unholy. This marks the character of men that have lost the faith. Verse 4 says that they will walk in a measure of loving pleasure rather than loving God. Now this thing about pleasure is very interesting because I, I just want to ask the question, what is pleasure? Where do you find it? And some men in the last days find pleasure in pornography. Well, what is so hot about pornography? Why does it elicit pleasure? Because your body was programmed by God to elicit um, these hormones, these uh, neurotransmitters would be affected by endorphins, by dopamine, by oxytocin, and by uh, serotonin. These natural expressions in the human body that elicit euphoria, pleasure. And they were created in your body with a design that would honor God. But the devil says, I need to tap into these expressions that are elicited to bring men pleasure. And so pornography, a lot of people... Are, are engaged at levels, if, if you were to see the incredible industry, I, I just had one man, uh, uh, I, I was talking to a man this week, he says he got, he, he sold his company or he got a contract with pornography for $8.8 million so that he could do uh, all manner of technology for the porno industry. Is that the devil has flipped everything aside where men have no longer says, you know something, that doesn't honor God. I'm not going to walk in that. I don't care how many millions you're going to give me. But today, the pornographic industry seeking these uh, endorphins and dopamine and the secretion of oxytocin and serotonin, they all produce levels of euphoria, of a pleasure that is through the roof creating uh, a sentiment of, of joy. It relieves pain. It addresses depression. And so the devil says, I'm going to up one on this pornography thing. What can elicit 
endorphins and dopamine more than anything else, more than pornography. And it's video games. Right now, the video game industry is going nuts in every manner of expression. And so you say, what causes young people and old people to be there for hours in front of a video, in front of a screen? And they fight with their parents and they fight with their family and they're selfish. I had one young man, says, he's like 30 years old. He says, Pastor, my father plays video games for eight hours a day. He's a grown man, 40-something, playing video games? You ask yourself, why? Because men loves pleasure rather than God. You ask him, how much does he read the Bible? He doesn't. doesn't have time. How, long, how much does he pray? doesn't. How much does he visit people? He doesn't. Because the devil has contrived a deliberate, intentional, a specific and purposeful system to release these happy chemicals in your brain. It's all designed. The people who make these games, they sit in rooms for years trying to develop the, the manner in which they can keep you seated down in front of a screen over and over and over again for endless hours producing nothing. Just, just sitting there contriving these elements of joy and sentiments of, of this technological drug. So these designers, the producers of these games, they, they have able to see that you can't get endorphins to be produced in the brain unless you do something that gives you the sentiment like you're surviving. So all these games are, or this is my life. Do I have another life? How many lives do I have? So the sentiment of just living in that moment is producing endorphins. And that's why you're sitting there. You're going to make, I don't want to lose my life. And you lost your life already. You're, you're eating from the devil's fodder. Something produces nothing. You could be studying languages. You could be studying different manner of expressing yourself in a professional world. You would become a genius. But the devil has you there locked in to do what's necessary to survive. Do I have another life? No, I died. Wait, I have one more. And so they've tied that into the gaming system. Whether you're still alive or you're dead or you have another life or not. The, the second thing to elicit dopamine. Dopamine is something that God put naturally in you so that you can keep going until you catch a prey. In the old days when you had to catch your food, you needed dopamine because it would give you the lasting hormone effect to continue pursuing your accomplishment. Well, these gamers, they know, and the people that do pornography, they know that that whole thing is that that first moment of the new capture is what elicits your desire for more. It's all designed by the devil. It's all him playing you, pushing your buttons. So they tie that into the games. Keep you going until you catch your prey or you fulfill a task. This produces the feeling that, the happy feeling, I did something. I, I, I did a task. I, I get, you, you didn't do anything. 
You, you, the buttons are being pressed in your brain system. Your neurotransmitters are receiving all these things. And, and you're being deceived like a, a, a lamb that's going to the slaughter. I, I'd say the example of, of the Eskimo that goes to catch a wolf, he, he paints a blade of 30 coats of blood, rabbit's blood. And then he buries it in the snow three feet deep. When the wolf is coming around smelling for food, he smells the blade full of rabbit's blood that's been co 30 coats. And he starts licking the blade. He digs it up. He starts licking the blade until he cuts his tongue. And then he sucks his own blood to death. And he doesn't even know that it's his blood. And so the devil's doing the same thing with so many men. The, the third element of oxytocin, the achieving a result to, to be able to achieve a goal. It's, it's not only uh, doing what's necessary to survive. It's not only catching your prey and fulfilling a task. But it's, it's to reach an end, to, to feel nothing feels better than finishing. I don't even know what they call them, but a phase or a an episode or a stage. Well, I, I got, uh, I finished stage 20. And I finished stage 22. And I finished 55. And I'm going on 506. And it's just stage after stage, again, sucking you in to feel oxytocin. That you, the, the feeling of accomplishment. I did it. You didn't do anything. The devil is deceiving you. Get out of there. Run away from that thing. And then finally, the final happy chemical that's produced as the, the, the brain is developed, it's being one up. You feel that you scored well, that you competed well, that you overcame, that you beat someone. Again, th there's nothing happening. And that produces serotonin. Every single one of these four natural drug rush euphorias are felt by people in the gaming industry. And meanwhile, they're being castrated. They're being totally taken away from living productive, fruitful lives. After four or five years of being a video gamer. And one young man says, Pastor, uh, my friend just made $2 million at a video gamer competition. So I guess it, it is... It is uh, rewarding and, and you see how the whole system is set up to destroy the character of men who love pleasure rather than love God these human brain uh, chemicals were created to evolve and promote survival behaviors in man each of the happy chemicals that is produced involved in accomplishing the work of man upon the earth. They were making you feel good, which motivates you to go after whatever triggered these feelings. When you're happy, you'll notice that uh, these, these games allow you to have the sentiment all day long of pleasure. All day long. All these chemicals that are hitting your brain are producing pleasure. Meanwhile, you were not created to live like that. Men need to stop being dishonorable and foolish. They need to mature and grow up and be a blessing to their wives 
I feel sorry for the wives that have husbands that spend hours on end instead of being with their wife and producing something profitable and fruitful. They want to know what the next game that's coming out. I, I, you know, the, 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 the format of today's preaching is taking a last stand as being the people that God has called us to be in this time. It's totally different than what the current of this world is. They don't even understand. They're being shepherded to death by Satan. The Bible says they don't even know what's causing them to stumble. Why, why did I take a liking for pornography over my wife? Why did I take a liking over video games than to honor my parents and do successful things? Well, we need to become different men. Men who are challenged by the things of God and not by the fantasy of living immature, perpetual lives. The tribute to the women, I know there's many women right now. Uh, you know, the women that want to be on the internet. They want to be showing their bodies to total strangers instead of delighting, honoring their husband. They want to find fulfillment in honoring some system outside of the home. And I want to tell you something. The devil's a liar. You're never going to be able to attain that measure of satisfaction because he's always going to up you one. He's going to up you one. He's going to up you one. He's going to invite you to greater and greater expressions of selfish existence at the stake or at the cost of your family, what God wants. So he'll call you out. I, I did a tribute to women this week, and I said, what a wonderful expression womanhood is. The expression of that person called a woman. In God's faithfulness, he created a perfect expression God was perfect when he decided to design woman in her dignity, humility, and wisdom, in her complexity, elegance, wonderful, colorful, tireless, innovative, hardworking, strong, beautiful, dedicated, selfless, sacrificial, committed, kind, agreeable, beautiful wife and mom. Woman to grace the face of the earth, to fill the earth with God's glory in every nation. There's no wonder that Satan distorts and disfigures. He deforms and dishonors, transforming woman into a cruel, selfish, savage beast and witch. She has forsaken family. She has forsaken God. She cannot walk in submission and obedience. She must be rebellious and proud and arrogant and defiant. That's not God's original design. His design for a companion and a perfect ideal helpmate who spends her life dedicated and committed to serving her husband and children, her family, her friends, her church. I applaud and praise all these women who follow God's highest call to express Proverbs 31, the virtuous woman, the woman who ultimately does not cause shame and regret Many women do noble things, but she surpasses them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord, she must be praised. Give her the honor of what her life represents and what her hands have done. Let her works praise her at the city gates. We've lost that expression. We need to return to the time where we focus not on a rebellious, revolutionary woman who's disrupting God and who is moving the foundations of family 
and faith and church. The Bible says a woman is strong in her capacity to be trusted. Proverbs 31, 11. The heart of her husband has full confidence in her. Because there's nothing of value that he lacks because she's at his side. Nothing's missing. Nothing is absent. There's no vacancy in that role. Verse 13 says she works willingly with her hands. She's, she's eager with her hands. She's not lazy. Verse 21, she's not afraid for her household. She doesn't have to get a replacement, a substitute. She's taking care for the needs of her family in the snow time. She has no fear for her family, for all of them are clothed. This is my wife, constantly seeing what is needed and bringing its provision to the house through her management skills, her stewardship. The Bible says in verse 20, she opens her hand to the poor and she reaches her hand to the needy. She's making other people a priority and not herself. The most cursed woman in the world is the one that's putting her needs above others. She will never be satisfied. Verse 26, this tribute to woman as she guards her tongue, she speaks with wisdom and she has faithful instruction in her tongue. She's not talking stupidity. She's not talking foolishness. She blesses the next generation by honoring her husband and the home. She's constantly following older women. The children the Bible speaks about are those that honor their parents. The last stand against darkness are obedient, honorable children who honor their father and mother. Ephesians 6, chapter 1, children, honor your father in the Lord. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. We're living in a generation where you cannot be a light unless you are honoring your parents. And so many are telling their parents, I don't want to listen to you no more. I don't want to honor you no more. You're a hindrance to my pleasure. Verse 2, obey your parents, honor your father and mother, the first commandment with a promise. Verse 3, so that everything will go well with you and you may enjoy a long life upon the earth. I can't tell you the countless children that are walking as prodigals because their pleasure goes before their parents' pleasure. And then the Bible tells us, that if we're going to fix the last days, it's going to be based on Scripture, 2 Timothy 3.16. That's what we're doing today. We're going back to the fundamentals. A godly man, a godly woman, and godly children. That is fighting the good faith in the last days. Those who promote family and don't debilitate it. All Scripture of God is God breath. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Preparing us... Verse 17, so that the man of God might be complete, thoroughly equipped, and ready for every good work. Father, today you have shown us a lot. And I pray that you would let your word come into our hearts as a good seed planted in good hearts that produce good fruit. 
that we not just be hearers of the word, but that we might stand in the marketplace and tell people, this is the reason we live the way we live. We want God's glory and not this world's glory. What this world celebrates is not what we celebrate. We celebrate the kingdom of God. We celebrate the faith. We fight the good faith to keep the course of family, of the tradition of our fathers, from whom all the families on heaven, on earth are named. We bow our knees to the Father. We decided that God put lonely, solitary, selfish people in family so that they might prosper, so that they might be fruitful, so that they might have the harvest that glorifies God and not the hordes of things that occupy space, that steal our time, that sacrifice our relationships. Father, we pray that you forgive us, that we might be restored through your spirit and return to the place where when we take a last stand against darkness, we win. In Jesus' name we pray, the people of God say amen, amen, and amen. God bless you, love you, and we're looking forward to being with you on Wednesday. And continue to meditate on these things. And don't let the devil steal your lunch. Because there's nothing more glorious than what God has established in his word. That we might be a blessing to all the families in the earth. God bless you.